Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. I just want to invite each and every one of you to grab your Bible or open a Bible app. And we are going to be today in Daniel chapter 12. We're in the last chapter of the book of Daniel. We've been going through this series all summer long. And today we conclude our study of the book of Daniel. Um, I've been saying, I think, really for the last six weeks about the book of Daniel, um, some a few, th- well, a lot of things, but one thing specifically, I've been saying the book of Daniel can be divided into basically two sections. Um, you've got the first six chapters, and the first six chapters are chapters one through six, and they're primarily historical in nature, and then they're kind of a biography of Daniel, and they don't have a lot of prophecy in them. There's not a lot of prophecy, not a lot of prediction. There's some, but, but not a lot. And then you get to the second half of Daniel, and it's a little bit different. In in chapter 7 through 12, it becomes less historical, less of a biography, and it becomes a lot more predictive. It starts talking about end times, events, and the future, and all of that stuff. And the bottom line is these last six chapters, they're just more difficult to understand. They're more difficult to understand. Prophecy, by its nature is just difficult to interpret. You've got signs, you've got symbols, you've got visions all about, about, about the future, and it's difficult to understand. But here's the interesting thing that I have found in my life. It's interesting to me that this difficult section, this difficult prophecy to understand, there are certain people, many of us, who find that very um, interesting, really interesting. I mean, some people act as though the, 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 the Bible, the, the prophetic verses in the Bible are more primary than secondary. And there's all these books and there's these arguments and these, these people saying this and that. And it gets confusing. And you're like, man, that's just a lot going on. And I remember when I was younger, this end time prophecy stuff, I'm just going to share this with you. It really got in my head. It really confused me. It scared me. I was afraid. I didn't know what to think. Maybe you've been there as well. Um, let me, I just want to share with you my story with dealing with prophecy when I was a young Christian. I remember this. Um, I, I remember when I was in high school, I hadn't been a Christian very long at all. And, and I go to my television set and I turn the television set on and went to the Christian station. And, um, and, and it didn't come in very well. So I had these rabbit ears, you know, you had to kind of tune it in and stuff. And when it finally came in, and there's this guy, man, and, and he's got his doctorate in theology and he taught at some seminary and um, he was a pastor of a really large church a really prominent guy and he's like man I'm going to teach today on the end times well that's good I want to know a lot of people be talking about it well, I want to know what it's, what it's like and what it's about. And so I remember, this is what I remember. I remember the guy, he, he had, he had, he has, he got the Bible right there. 
And you get all these Bible maps, okay? You get all these Bible well, maps and, and charts and all this stuff. And on this side, he's got a picture of the world, okay? And so he would read his Bible. He would look at his charts. He had this pointer. You know, when was, it was before laser pointers. You know, you got to pull that thing out. And then he'd point on the map, and he would say, this, this means that over there. These people going to do this. These people going to do this. And boom, Armageddon. Like, wow, Armageddon. I didn't know much about Armageddon, but it, didn't, it doesn't sound pleasant, right? And this guy, I'm like, well, he's yelling a lot, and he's prominent, so I guess he knows what he's talking about. So you got, you got Armageddon, okay? Then a little bit after that, another week or two later, I'm watching maybe the same television station. I don't know. Another dude comes on. This guy goes, this guy, he goes, he said this. I remember this because it scared me. He goes, I know who the Antichrist is. I'm like, whoa. I'm going to Antichrist. I want to listen. Because I done figured out Armageddon. I got the map and stuff. I took notes, okay? Now we're going to who the Antichrist is. He goes, he got proof. He knows the Antichrist is. Maybe I shared this with you. This is what the guy said. He goes, ready? Here we go. It's Ronald Reagan. That's what he said. No, no, okay, well, tell me, why? Here's what he said. He goes, here's what he, I'm telling you, I remember to this day, he goes, listen, Ronald Reagan's middle name is Wilson. Ronald, six letters. Wilson, six letters. Reagan, six letters. Case, closed. Antichrist. No, I'm scared. Listen, I got, I got, no, no, I know, I got notes on Armageddon. I know who the Antichrist is, okay? Then, about the same time, this dude writes a little pamphlet. I actually recently went online and bought this from back in the mid-'80s. It was a book. It was popular. It's called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Could Be in 1988. 88 reasons. That's a lot of reasons. Here's what I thought. Even if half of the reasons are wrong, you still got 44. That's a lot of reasons, man. And I, I don't know. So you got the Armageddon. I got the Antichrist. I, I now know the year, man. It's 1988. Now, here's what happens, man. I'm not making this stuff up. It gets weird. So um, I'm in school one day in, in, in high school, and this is where the culmination of all of this, this friend of mine who was a stronger Christian, a man who'd been he'd, a young man, he'd been a Christian for a long time, lovely guy. I looked up to him. He walks in. He, he goes, Travis, today's the day. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Days to day. Days to day, Jesus is supposed to come back. And I, no. I'm like, today? And I'm, I'm in high school, guys. I'm like, is it before or after lunch? No, because I, I knew it was pizza day at lunch, you know? And you're like, dude. And I don't know, man. I don't know. And then I also thought, if today's the day, let's just leave school. So all these thoughts. Bottom line is, it scared me, guys. It scared me. It was a big deal. Maybe you've thought on this stuff too and it scared you. Maybe you've lost sleep thinking about these things, right? I don't know. I did. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. And um, it dawned on me that perhaps all this information isn't in the Bible simply to scare a skinny, pimple-faced high school kid in Forney, Texas. That was my conclusion. Surely God didn't write all of this just to scare me. Maybe there's something bigger going on. And you know what? There is. This is not meant to scare us, church. It's not meant so that you would lose sleep. It's actually given to us so that we will sleep better. There's a greater purpose. 
It's, 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 it's greater than just knowing a few neat things about the end times. It's, it's greater than making us afraid. These passages are here to encourage us. These passages are here so that we will be encouraged in how we can live our lives now. They impact me today, not just in the future, because I know what God is going to do in the future. It causes me to live my life with confidence today. And so as we go through this last chapter, Daniel, you need not be all afraid, get scared, understand. I want you to be encouraged. There's three grand truths in this last chapter. And all three of them are exceedingly encouraging. Let's walk through the word of God. It's here to encourage you, saint. It's here to encourage you. All right. First grand truth we're going to see is this. God comforts his people in their trials. You're going to see it. Verses 1 through 4. Leading up to this, the last five chapters, Daniel's been getting some visions. And they haven't all been good. Not being good for God's people, not being good about the future. Now we get to chapter 12, and the Lord is going to close out this book by comforting us. First three words, just the first three words. Here's what it says. At that time. Pause. What does that mean? At what time? All right? At what time? Well, scholars will say, we're all going to say, at that time refers to the time he was talking about in chapter 11. But once again, a lot of people debate what time that was exactly, right? It really depends upon your end-time view. Man, I've done been telling you all this. People are going to argue about all sorts of things here, all right? I'm not interested in arguing about it. I don't care what your end-time view is. What this means here, at that time, it means at the time when everything is as bad as it can get. Once again, you put that in your eschatological, theological grid, doesn't matter. I don't care. The time when it's bad, when it's as bad as it can possibly get for God's people, God intervenes. Check it out, the rest of verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. That's the people of God. This is hard to hear. This is hard to hear. Look, and there shall be a time of trouble. Such as, has, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. That is a lot of trouble. Like nobody knows this is, this is next level type trouble. But at that time, once again, you see that hooking back in. At that time, when it's as bad as it can get, your people, that's the people of God. Oh, this is music to my ears. Shall be delivered. Everyone's whose name shall be found written in the book. All right. There's a lot going on here, right? When things seem as bad as they can get for God's people, God steps in and delivers them. How does he do it? We're not given exact details. Exact details are not here. But we're told that Michael, the great prince or angel, Jude calls him an archangel, perhaps the greatest angel, will arise, all right? What does that mean? Once again, I don't know. It's not in the text. I'm not for sure. But I do know the result of this. The result is that God's people are going to be delivered. Great. That's what I want to hear. I'm if you're sitting there saying things are going to get worse than you've ever seen them get, what, there's a bad, 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 bad. God's people are going to be delivered. Great. Next question. Who's God's people? Now, people... 
man, people, there's a lot of people walking around thinking they're God's people. But just claiming to be God's person or people don't mean you're actually God's people. Who exactly are God's people? It's interesting. We're told in the Old Testament who God's people are. The text says, the text says, the text says, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. That's God's people. Huh. What book are we talking about? Talking about the book of life. That, my friend, is a really important book. And it seems that it's really important to have your name in that book. I mean, if things are going to get worse than you've ever seen or ever imagined, and the only way to be delivered is to have your name in that book, it seems really important to have your name in that book. Great. How you get your name in that book? One way. One way. By grace through faith period. You got to repent of your sins and you got to believe in Christ Jesus. Call on him. Save me. Save me. There ain't no other way to get your name in that book. No other way. And here's the deal. You're not saved because your repentance and your faith is perfect. You're saved because Christ Jesus' work on the cross is perfect and complete. Let me wrap it all up to you. It's all Jesus, 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 Jesus. You take a salt shaker, put Jesus in it, and you sprinkle Jesus on top of Jesus. It's Jesus, man. Jesus. Jesus. You want that book? It's Jesus. Repent and believe. Don't do that. You're not delivered. All right. So we see that. God delivers his people. But it gets even better. You get to verse 2. We're going to see not only does God deliver his people in this really awful time, we're going to see he's going to resurrect his people. Look at this, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in, in the dust of the earth, as they die, they pass away. Once again, there is a day appointed for each and every one of you, and myself as well, shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Once again, a lot of stuff going on there. Once again, people can debate all they want to. I'm not interested in debating. I want to talk about the undebatable things in that verse. First, undebatable thing in that verse, there's only two categories of people, right? There's those who will die and awake to everlasting life, and there's those who will die and awake to everlasting contempt that's not debatable second undebatable thing from this verse the fate of both is everlasting there's some people who sit there and say no it's not for those for those whom do not call upon christ jesus to be their lord and savior they do not have an everlasting punishment and hell they call it annihilation they're annihilated well we'll get in they don't matter the point is they it doesn't no everlasting everlasting both third According to this text, listen, according to this text, all people, believers and unbelievers, will enter into the eternal state in a bodily form. I don't know what kind of bodily form, there's a bodily form. You can debate anything you want to about verse 2. Those three things are not debatable. All right, this goes back to verse 1. If those who are to die and be resurrected to everlasting life, 
In order to do that, once again, name must be in the book of life. Once again, monumental. Is your name in that book? Is your name in that book? So God delivers. God resurrects. Verse 3, we're going to see God blesses the faithful. Look, verse 3. Won't spend a lot of time here. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. There's a lot we can see here and talk about. The point is those whom, whose name is found in the book of life, they are delivered, they are resurrected, and they are blessed. What does it say? Shall shine. They shall shine like the brightness of the sky in this present time. And this present world, believers persecuted, misunderstood, misrepresented, overlooked by the world. But one day that will not be the case. And then we get to verse 4, and Daniel's giving a, a command. But you, Daniel, here's the command given by, I believe, the pre-incarnate Jesus Shut up the words and seal the book. That's the book of Daniel. He's saying, close it up. Chapter 12, we're done. Until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, we could get some details here, but what I want us to see here is God is concerned about us. He's concerned that we will know. He's concerned. Once again, this goes back to the hope. This is not meant to scare us. He is concerned that we might not be living our lives in light of the end times. He is concerned that we might not be concerned or thinking about the end. He says, no, no. Daniel, shut this book up. Keep it safe. Daniel, keep the book safe. Because I want my people for the next two, 3,000 years to be able to open the book of Daniel, to be able to read the book of Daniel, and to be able to get comfort from the book of Daniel. Hey, listen here, guys. We are going through a very difficult time. I know that's true. But we need not think we're the first Christians to ever go through a difficult time. We're not. I was in Amsterdam one time, and I got in the closet where Corey Tim Boone hid Christians. We are not the first to go through difficult times. And all of these generations before us, they had the book of Daniel, and it gave them comfort. And my prayers would give us comfort too. But that's the big picture. I could go on and on about my friends tonight. Or I guess depending on where the world the sun is today, who are worshiping in seclusion, under persecution. And I pray they read the book of Daniel and get encouragement. God comforts his people in their trials. Let's move on to verse 5 through 7. Second grand truth that will give us comfort. God's people must be prepared to persevere. That destroys this whole health, wealth, prosperity gospel. We must be prepared to persevere. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, okay, check out this picture, looked, and behold, two others stood. Now, real quick, that's going to be two angels. 
one on this bank of the stream. We're talking about the Tigris going back to the previous chapters. And one on the bank of the stream. Um, so you got two angels. You've got the stream, the Tigris, you got two angels, verse 6. And someone said to the man clothed in linen. Now, real quick, I've already said, I believe that to be the pre-incarnate Christ Jesus. Some may debate that. That's fine. Who was above the water. So you got the two angels, you got the stream, you got Christ above the waters. And someone asked him, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders oh okay so okay good 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 somebody's going to ask Jesus a question that I, I want to know right how long how long how long how long it's a good question I was thinking on this and I was reading the question and it, I realized it's kind of an odd way to ask a question the angel's not asking the question here check out the angel's not asking the question to Jesus, when is it going to happen? He asked the question, how long is it going to go on? That's interesting. Like, he's not saying, hey, Jesus, when does this start? When does the hardship start? He's saying, when will it stop? And I think of me, including many of us, we, we ask the wrong question. Not when's this going to happen? How long is it going to be how long shall it be oh lord how long shall it be your people going to endure under this get to verse 7 and we get to i believe the most solemn part of the book of daniel christ jesus is going to answer here's what he says to this wonderful question verse 7 and I heard the man clothed in linen, once again, I believe it's a pre-incarnate Jesus, who was above the waters of the stream. Look at this picture. He raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever. So he's taken, it's a two-handed oath. This is a solemn, solemn, solemn moment. The question is, what was the question? Once again, let's make sure we get it right. What, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? How long shall it be? Here's Jesus' answer, the, bottom, the rest of verse 7. Here's what he says. That it would be for a time, times, and half a time. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know, man. I looked at my watch. I don't have that on my watch. I don't know, man. I don't know. You guys ever been reading the Bible and Jesus says something? And you're like, I'm unsure what that means. I'm unsure. I'm unsure. People debate this. People debate this. You can buy books on this. You can study it. You're free to do that, and I hope you do that. But even though I don't know exactly what it means, once again, I do know the big picture of what it means. You ready? Here's what it means. It's going to be a long time. That's what it means. Hey, Daniel, it's going to be a long, long time. You're going to have to persevere. People of God, we're going to have to persevere. It is a long, long, long time. I don't know, man. Maybe one day I'll ask Jesus, what does time, times, and half a time mean? He's going to say, it means long. It does. All right? But there's some encouragement coming after this, and there's hope, the rest of verse 7, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, 
It's going to come to an end. All these things will be finished. What does it mean? God's sovereign. God's in control. It means when evil has done the worst that it can do to the hopes of God's people, God will intervene. Guys, God is going to intervene at the appropriate time. He's not going to intervene when you might think it is best. He is not going to intervene when I think it might be best. He's going to intervene when he thinks it is best. That's the deal. That's a long time. It's a lot of persevering. It is. It is. No prosperity gospel being preached here. But he doesn't leave us alone in our persevering. He's with us in our struggles. I I don't know what all you're going through. But if you're struggling right now, I want you to know that God is with you. If you have repented and believed, God the Spirit indwells you. You are not an orphan. All right. God comforts his people. and God's people must be prepared to persevere. You get to verses 8 through 13. The final grand truth we see is God's people must be content to trust him. So, you know this. But God's desire for each and every one of us is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. It's a refining process. And through this hard process that we go through and we persevere, we're made to look more like Christ. But we have to trust the process. Verse 8, here's what what Daniel says. Daniel's like me here. I heard, but I did not understand. Daniel goes, man, I, I, I hear the angels... I hear Jesus, and I, all that's going on, but you know what? I don't understand. So now he's going to continue asking. Then he said, then I said, oh, my Lord. So he's looking at Christ Jesus above the water. What shall be the outcome of these things? Daniel, once again, another great question, right? He's like, yeah, Jesus, I hear all this. I, I'm reading all this. I'm right. I'm right here. But what? is going to become what's the outcome i want to know the what i want to know the when and i want to know the how right that's me that's me that's me that is me jesus okay jesus what when how give it to me now i want to know jesus all right here's what jesus says <laughs> here's what jesus said you got to live with it this is a jesus's reply here is a bit frustrating it is there i said it He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the end of times. That's frustrating. Jesus is like, Daniel, that info is not for you. It's not for you. And it's crazy because you know what? Jesus' disciples asked Jesus that very same question a thousand years later, and Jesus says the same thing. The disciples, Matthew 24, 3, they go up to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, tell us when these things will be. Same thing Daniel done asked him a thousand years earlier. Jesus answers the same way. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. And Jesus didn't say it like that, you know, but, you know, no one knows. Not the angels of heaven, not the Son, but only God the Father knows. Basically, disciples, that information, not for you. I get some comfort there. Daniel, Daniel, tell me, Jesus, not for you. Jesus says, not for you. Disciples, Jesus, tell us. Jesus, uh, Jesus says, not for you. 
And you know what's so wild? Here's what's wild. Some dude's going to write a book this year, maybe several guys, telling us when this is going to happen. And we're going to go out and buy that book. And we're going to say that's an awesome book. When Jesus done told all of us, ain't none of you knowing. Daniel, this is not for you. Disciples, it's not for you to know this. And whoever writes the book this year telling you when it's going to be, it's not for them either. Save your money. It's not for us. Guys, it's not. But even though that information is not for us, verse 10, he gives us some information that is for us. Here's what he says. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But those who are wise shall understand. The deal is this. God's people will be purified. It's hard. It's hard. But we do hard things. The wicked are going to continue to be wicked. Real quick, let me say this. I am perpetually surprised by Christians who get upset when non-Christians act like non-Christians. Get over it, guys. We watch the news. Can you believe they're doing this to the church? Can you believe they're taking this away in our rights? And duh, but duh. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe it. It's the way it goes down. It always has. It always will. I just wait for it. Christian, please do not act like Jesus didn't tell us. Can you believe all this? Did you read the Bible, man? Don't act like it's in the Bible. This is the way it goes down. Non-Christians act like non-Christians, and they do non-Christ-like things. They're opposed to Christ and the cross and what Jesus is doing. We need to stop acting surprised. And by the way, if God had not saved you, you too would be acting that way. I would. It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. Then we get to verse 11 and 12. Once again, I'm just going to read this because it's weird. I don't know. I don't know what this means. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days, verse 12, a blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Okay, pause. Let me talk about this. Once again, you can read books. I can tell you what many people think on this. I don't really want to get into that. I, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to debate about what this means. I want to talk about what I do know. Look at it. We get so worked up about what we don't know, and we don't talk about what we do know. There's something here that's un. Deniable. We're not going to debate this. Verse 12 says, blessed is he who waits and arrives. That's what it says. I don't know what all that means, but I know the person who perseveres, the man, the woman who perseveres, God says they will be blessed. Sleep better than not because of the book of Daniel. It's a beautiful promise. Look at verse 13. Here's how it ends. The last verse in the book of Daniel. He says this to Daniel. It's a promise to Daniel and to you and I. But go your way till the end. Daniel, Christian. Here's what he means. Keep being faithful in your generation. There's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, all the time. It's ugly, nasty, sinful, all this stuff. Keep 
being faithful in your generation. That's how the book of Daniel ends. Keep going on. Verse 13, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Christian, you know this, I know this, I'll say it for a good reminder. We all going to die. You will die. Jesus says, be faithful. Be faithful in your generation. Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to tell people about Jesus. Be faithful. Things will go from bad to worse. Be faithful. Once again, the word of God teaches us that God has chose this generation for every one of you. And if you're watching or listening, every one of you to be born. It's no accident that you're here at this time, at this place, in this city, under these trials. And Jesus says, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. He will take us home one day. But until then, be faithful. And the book is over. Not written to scare you. Not written to make you afraid, lose sleep. It's written to encourage you, to help you sleep better. Three great truths. God comforts his people in their trials. God's people must be prepared to persevere. God's people must be content to trust him. Let me ask the greatest question that's been asked in all the Bible and in this book today. Is your name in the book of life? If it's not, my prayer is that today would be the salvation for you. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.